we have, we content snares a software product that helps people get information from clients. So instead of that back and forth process of chasing clients for months, back and forth over email, trying to get documents and just answers from clients, content snare comes in and fixes that. And we primarily do that with accountants. They have massive information requirements from their clients, whether that's in the client onboarding stage or end of year during the tax document collection process, they just always need information from clients. So that's kind of like how I would explain content snare. Hey, welcome to the Message Market Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Silvestri. And if you're new here, this is a show where I chat with B2B SaaS folks in marketing, product, growth, and founders about how they join the conversation already happening in their customers' minds. We dive deep into their thinking, their systems, and their playbooks to see how they empathize with their audience and speak to them in a way that resonates so they're compelled to take action. Join us and learn how you too can shape your messaging strategy and write copy that truly resonates and differentiates you. I'm super excited about my guest today, Jimmy Rose. Jimmy is the co-founder of Content Snare, a platform that helps service providers collect and organize client documents. In this episode, we chat about Jimmy's journey from the early AdSense gold rush days to founding a successful web design agency and eventually making the leap to developing a SaaS model with Content Snare. Jimmy shares his experience in adapting to market needs, understanding customer pain points, and the importance of constant iteration and feedback in product development. We also dive into his insights on finding a niche in the software industry and the key lessons learned along his entrepreneurial journey. Let's dive right in. Jimmy, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm great, man. I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. Yes, yes. Pretty fresh podcast and we got great guests <laughs> to start. All right, let's jump right in. I know that you started your journey in 2009. Was it the start with the agency? You had an agency and then turned into business. How did that go? Can you tell me a bit about your background? Yeah. So, well, I'm not, 2009 is going right back. I'm not proud of the initial, the initial start. That's, that's like the AdSense gold rush days, man. That, that was <laughs> wow. like, that was building crappy sites, trying to get them to rank on, on Google and then, and just basically selling ad spots. Yeah. That's <laughs> pretty dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty dodgy, but you know, it's funny at the time, I never really considered it as being dodgy. You know, you just, it was like, oh, just a way to make money on the internet. But look, it got me started. So, but at some point we got into article spinning. That was our first software product. So again, mm. not proud of that. But at the time everyone was doing article spinning. It was like one of the main yeah. things, one of the main SEO things everyone was doing. But yeah, so we did that for a bunch of years and then we ended up creating a web design agency in around 2014. Which is what led to our subsequent two software products. So I won't get into Silver Siphon much, but that was another one we built. And then now we're onto Content Snare, which was solving a problem that we had in the agency around getting website content from clients. Massive pain for that industry. And we've actually sort of fallen away from that industry quite a bit. Like we still have a lot of web designers that use Content Snare, but our primary, it's primarily like professionals now, like accountants, lawyers, like real estate, all kinds of different industries that use Content Snare to get documents and, and on, to onboard clients. So it's, it's changed quite a lot, but yeah, that's the story in a nutshell. All right. So what, when was the point where you realized that you, that you identified this problem of 
providing, getting content from clients. And when you understood, okay, this is something that I can build a business, a business on. So, you know, we, we'd built a few, like I said, we've built, we'd had built two software products before content snare and we were just like, we knew the other ones were not like long-term things. And we were always looking for the next, like we were like, we knew we wanted to build something that solved a big problem. We just didn't know what it was. And because I was in the web design space, I had a lot of contacts in that space also. And I remember I just interviewed a whole lot of designers all around the world. Like this is kind of early days for zoom and that kind of thing. But you know, we spoke to people on zoom and I interviewed people locally, like literally sat down with, for coffee with people and just asked them what their biggest problems were. Like I said, you know, start, start from when, but even before you get a client on board, you know, they come on. And then we do this stage and then what happens next? What happens next? What happens next? All the way through to offboarding and when they finish working with a client. And I didn't have, I didn't go in with any like, you know, this is what I want to solve. Do you think it'll be a good idea? There was none of that. It was just like, tell me about your business and your problems. And honestly, almost every single one of them talked about getting content from clients being one of the biggest pains. And that was kind of like my immediate somewhat validation, right? I didn't know they'd pay for it at that point, but the fact that everyone spoke about it like that and the like passionate language people use you know, like someone said literally said this is the biggest pain in my biggest pain in my ass someone said it made like this yeah. makes this makes me want to leave the industry wow. like that's how big of an issue it was so it was really passionate language that they were using that's how we knew like we did some other validation steps but that was like, pretty impressive yeah well was it something that you also experienced yourself and you kind of had like an intuition, okay, I have, I've experienced it and also other people telling me about that. So there must be something or was it just like yeah, launching so into interviews? Yeah. Well, so I didn't have the idea before the interviews, right? Like I just knew I had, I wanted to solve something to be honest. I, so I actually had an idea for a website briefing tool because that was a process I thought could be done a lot better, like getting a, a client's wants and needs communicated better. And I had a big idea and big plans for that, but I still, and this was the whole thing. I didn't want to go in with, like I said, with, this is what I want to solve. What do you think? So I started the interviews just trying to see what their problems were. So, so I had this other idea going into the interviews and then I came out of the interviews with a completely different product. So it was like a pivot before we even did anything, right? Literally, I think it was about 15 interviews. So it wasn't like a crazy amount of them. Yeah, but it was like, I think that saved us a lot of time and put us down a path that is much better. You know, like, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine trying to sell a website briefing tool, to be honest. Like, <laughs> I think it'd be a lot harder than what we're selling now. Yeah, super niche. It, it, yeah. it speaks to the magic of like open ended questions, right? Like, leaving it open, listening more than you actually. Yeah, like dictates your own direction for the interview. So that's really important. I have yeah, another thing. Like if, if you go and ask someone, like, do you think my yeah. idea is any good? They're probably just going to yeah. say yes. You know, they don't want to hurt your feelings. So it's a, yeah. I, and I think I'd read that, you know, like I, I wasn't, I'd read and studied about this process a lot. This was our third product as well. So I was kind of yeah. learned a bit by this point. And like, it was definitely not my own idea. I was just stealing someone else's, you know, following a process, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, I, I like the, especially the, the kind of guerrilla research they did, especially you mentioned coffee shops and speaking with people in person, because that's like a whole different level of understanding when you are with the person. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, 100%. I'm super curious about like this process of speaking with your audience. I was wondering, because one of the biggest problems that I see with business owners, especially founders, when they have to speak to their customers is this curse of knowledge, right? So they, what they know, it's the product that they built and they try to sell it to customers. But at the same time, they don't really have a, like a clear perspective from the customer's point of view. And that's because they weren't maybe in the customer's shoes before. What about you? Like, do you think that having experienced that problem kind of was the cure to the curse of knowledge for you that you were able to speak to them or you think that you needed their perspective as well? Definitely needed their perspective. So for a little bit more, like the, the part of my story that I didn't cover, you know, is that I used to be an engineer before all of this mm. and engineers are basically allergic to marketing and sales. Like we hate it or at least most of the engineers I know. And so for me to like learn how to sell something on the internet was really rough. It, it, it took me a long time to sort of unlearn trying to sell by features. Cause like an engineer just wants to look at the list of features and go, okay, that's how I like, I can mm. work that into my process, whatever. But that like, and that's how we tried to sell for a long time. Until we really understood the whole, like, you know, like benefits thing, I guess like this is, this is a basic example, but yeah. So I would have probably struggled to sell it just using my own terminology and words. Those interviews were absolutely loaded with language and words that we still use in our marketing, right? Like mm -hmm. from, this is from what, seven, like six years ago now. So no, seven, seven years ago. So yeah. That the absolute gold mine for the things like things that came out of those interviews. So yes, I think that answers your question. It's like no, I couldn't yeah, have done yeah. it just from my own knowledge. It made it so much easier to be able to reflect people's words. Yeah, essentially. It also speaks to the fact that what changes is mostly technology trend can change, but people don't really change. So if you can dig to their deepest pains, desire, motivations, you can basically just collect keep collecting data that you can always reuse for all your content, all your copy. Yeah, I think cool. we, we, that's something we've been pretty good at over time is just talking to customers. Like we've done so mm. many different variations of it, whether it's, you know, surveys or just like even demo calls, you know, like showing people the products or the stuff you learn there, you know, getting testimonials, but also on those, on the testimonial calls, finding out like, so, sorry, just to back up, we do, it's more like a video case study, but we pull yeah. testimonials out of that. But just interviewing a customer, we, we get like, you know, we ask for the negatives about our product and as well, and, and get that, all that language that comes out of all these calls and surveys and like, that's, yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah. And, and I can tell because as a freelancer, agency owner, like looking at your website, I don't know if you already changed the copy. I know that you have that in progress, some, some, some time soon, always in but I can tell that it's really good. I mean, always like all the times that I look at the website. So it's something that truly struck me in the sense that I knew that you understand your customers well, quite deeply, I guess. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I will say like, not, not all of the website, like a good chunk of the website we, we've hired like copywriters to write as well, but they, you know, what we feed, what we give them is all that data that yeah, yeah. they, you know, that, that I was just talking about, we, we've, we've sort of distilled that into things. Like if, if a new marketer comes on, like a, like someone who's going to work for us directly or an agency or someone now, 
I'm basically just got a document where I just say, here's everything you need. Like it's got who, yes. like in my <laughs> words, it's like who we are, who we serve, why this is a problem for them, how, like why our solution's awesome for them, other solutions on the market. Here's all the te best testimonials we've got. Here's the language people use. Like everything is just in one document now. And like, I think it usually surprises agencies because no one's got their stuff together that much, <laughs> but like, I just got yeah. sick of saying the same thing to everybody. Sorry, like I just made a document and it's like, yeah, it's got perfect. all that stuff in it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's sometimes like I, I tell my clients, like whenever I jump in a project with you, whether it's like a two or three month project. I don't, I never pretend to get to know more, more about your business than you do, right? My job is not really like learn more about your customers and business more than you do. It's more of aligning your teams, giving you like a fresh perspective on something that you maybe can't see because you're super immersed in your product and business. So that's kind of my job. I, I never pretend to want to learn more about you because that's your reverse with like 24 seven for years, right? So it's impossible. Oh yeah. And that's the thing. It, and as a business owner on the other side of things, it's, it's kind of hard to remember that, you know, like you, yeah. you kind of just, I think you called it, called it the curse of knowledge before, right? Like maybe this is a different version of it, but like, you know, someone else comes into the business and you kind of, and you're like, oh yeah, this is what our product does. Like, this is how our clients are. And you kind of just assume they'll understand, but of course they mm. don't, you know, understand. So you, I actually have to remind myself sometimes that like, you know, this new person that we hired a month ago probably is still missing. There's a lot of spots, a lot of things that she doesn't quite understand yet, you know? So I got to tell yeah. myself that I think it's kind of hard to, hard to um, remember that. And especially when you, when you serve a lot of different types of personas, right? Especially like for, for example, content snare. I see on a website that you list accountants, bookkeeping, legal, mortgage and finance, digital agency, education. So one question that I always ask at the beginning of a project with a client to understand like how much they know about you know, their audience, their market in their own words. And then I'm asking you now it's who does content snare serve, help and how? See. I normally change the answer to that question based on who's asking, you know, yeah. it's read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like the thing is we are pretty focused on the accounting industry right now. So, so obviously we do help all those yeah. markets and we have customers from like literally something like 30 different industries use our product because it, it is capable of handling, like it's quite a flexible tool. Right. But. Yeah, like if you asked me that or like I was at a networking event, like, yeah, especially if it's got accounts or something, I'd probably like, yeah, we have, we, Content Snare is a software product that helps people get information from clients. So instead of that, you know, back and forth process of chasing clients for months, back and forth over email, trying to get documents and ans and just answers from clients, Content Snare comes in and fixes that. And we primarily do that with accountants because they have massive information requirements from their clients, whether that's in the client onboarding stage or end of year during the tax document collection process, they, they just always need information from clients. So that's kind of like how I would explain content snare to Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, how did that like persona evolve? Like you started with agencies. When was the time that you realized, okay, a lot of accountants are coming? 
Was it just because the accountants were coming to you or you seek them out? How did it work? It started out, they were coming to us, but it was not clear that they were the next industry we would target. We ended up getting a lot of non-web design clients through SEO. So various like use case type, like people would search, you know, I don't know, how do I get information from clients? Like really, really long tail random stuff. And we would show up for that. And then they'd sign up and eventually we realized it was like, wow, we've got like a few random companies here that aren't web designers. Cause that was, you know, originally what we targeted. Um, everyone was a web designer and like, wait, what are you doing? What are you guys doing with content snare? And we had lawyers, accountants, HR, real estate, more, did I say mortgage insurance, like a bunch of education companies. We haven't even had a world's top 10 airline using our product. Yeah. A massive tri like a massive triathlon company. You can probably work out who that is just by saying it. But like some really crazy companies. And we were like, we were like, okay, like this is insane. Who else? Like, who should we target? And it actually took us a long time to land on accounting because I asked, like, I basically just chose one industry at a time. And then I went to everyone I knew who knew account, who was an accountant or a bookkeeper. And then like ask them about this problem. And most of the accountants and bookkeepers I knew didn't really see it as a big problem for them. And so we wrote it off really quickly. And it turns out I just chose a bad subset of people, I guess. But, and also it turns out I'm a pretty good client at giving people information. So they said like, you're like a model client. Cause I was like, they're never chasing me for information. Like why would an accountant use this? But it was just turns out I, I was pretty good at giving them information on time. But yeah, so we went industry to industry. I went to lawyers and I literally, again, I had coffee with lawyers that I knew. I, I used my network to find any lawyers I know, asked for referrals. And like, I only had a handful of conversations and, and some of them were like Facebook messages, man. Like they yeah. weren't necessarily coffees. These are like over DMs. So I spoke to a bunch of lawyers. I spoke to a bunch of mortgage brokers. I spoke to a bunch of accounts. Like I spoke to our client, our existing customers who were in those and asked, trying to understand how they used it. And eventually it just became clear that accounting was the way to go because so when we're in the middle of the decision-making process, we got an amazing video testimonial from this one accounting company. Then we had, someone had found out about contest there through them and they gave us a video testimonial. This is within a week of each other. And then right. a week later, we had a guy reach out to us. I don't know how he found us. He, he owns like a really large software product for accountants. And he said, we want to acquire, like, we're interested in acquiring you because the industry needs what you do. And we went, no, thank you. But man, this is like stars aligning moment, right? Like where yeah. all this stuff happened for the accounting industry. <laughs> and we were like, okay, we've just, we're accounting. <laughs> we're doing accounting now, you know? So we yeah. like, we fell ass backwards into this man. Like while I was doing a lot of research and trying to learn a lot, but we completely by accident ended up in accounting. I mean, yeah, sort of, yeah. I guess there is some purpose like some direction there too. We we're obviously looking for what our next industry would be, but yeah, it was just by chance that all those things happened in quick succession. Yeah, it, it, it's actually it, probably the side effect, positive side effect of staying receptive and being open to listening, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, and like I wouldn't have, it, yeah, the fact that we were looking for another industry and I like this is probably honestly over like a year, we knew that we had to, look at another industry, but just none of them felt like the right fit perfectly until a mm. few things happened, you know, and just a lot of, you know, definitely did not happen, you know, in overnight. Yeah. I'm curious when you, 
when you start seeing a lot of these customers or all these people coming to you and they fit a specific niche like accounting, do you, do you also start thinking in terms, okay, we need to develop these specific features just for accountants or you just keep with your roadmap, like pretty generic roadmap. This is a massive balance for us. It truly is, you know, and it is difficult because there are some features that we build for accountants and we know they're only going to get used by 5% of our market. And that might take a long time to build, but that feature now gives us like marketing material because it's like, we now we're affiliated with one of the largest brands in the accounting, Aussie accounting space. You know, we've done that twice actually. So a couple of really large brands, like we've built features not only for the fact that it's helpful, but for the brand affiliation that it gives us, like an integration, for example. Otherwise though, like outside of a couple of things, most of what, like 95% of our product is pretty generic. And, uh-huh. and that's, I think we're lucky like that in that a lot of people have the same problem. It's just chasing people for stuff. If you have clients, you're probably sick of chasing them for stuff. And mm-hmm. so that, and that stuff could be documents, it could be text, it could be spreadsheets, it could be, you know, a table, it could be, you know, just answers to questions like a form. So yeah. that's, we're lucky that our, this is a fairly generic problem, but yeah, there are some, you know, we mix it, but like, I guess that's the answer is we do both, but we're still fairly, very generic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is an interesting point, I think, because you are still as a platform, I think still quite niche in the, like the goal and how you help clients. But there's recently there's this trend of unifying everything. Like for example, ClickUp, it's got all yeah. apps in one, and I've used ClickUp mm-hmm. as well for clients, and it was a, like yeah. a really like a time saver, right, for collecting information, like replacing email. Mm-hmm. So how do you think about the competition and they trying to eat the whole client management software world? Uh, how do you think about standing out? Yeah, well, I mean, just by doing one thing, you easily stand out because you're competing with something that's like an afterthought for the other products. Like a vertical, this is like vertical versus horizontal, right? Vertical SaaS yeah. tries to do every, well, sort of. ClickUp is not even, it's vertical and horizontal. It tries to do everything for everyone. Where vertic, vertical SaaS is like everything for one vertical, like accountants. And then horizontal, which tries to do this one specific piece for mm-hmm. a lot of different industries. Where obviously that more horizontal space with a, with a sort of focus on accounting, but this is the thing, like whatever the, the quote goes, jack of all trades, master of none. And that is so evident in the software space. You know, like I've seen products that start out as a really good product and then suddenly they deviate and start trying to be everything to everyone or start trying, even they like products that do something for accountants really well. Now they start trying to do everything for accountants and their entire product suffers because of it. I've seen this over and over and over and over and like... Mm-hmm. There are plenty of customers that want that. They want the all-in-one tool. They don't want to have to buy multiple tools. They're happy with like something that does like a good enough job at a lot of things. But I'm telling you, there are still plenty of people who understand the benefit of getting lots of best-in-class tools and hooking them together with tools like Zapier and Make and other yeah. workflow automation tools, right? And like I'm one of those. I, like, I've never been an all-in-one software person. I hate them because... <laughs> They almost always turn into a dog's breakfast, performance degrades, like they end up with technical debt, you know, like ClickUp was struggling for a while there because they were trying to, like, they had that feature voting board 
and they would just listen to whatever features people wanted and they built everything. I've had a mm. mind mapping tool in a project management software. I'm like, why? Yeah. You know, and it honestly, there was a, I, I was looking to leave ClickUp for a very long time because I was like, the performance was so bad. It, it's recovered a little bit now. And I'm like, but that's just a, a perfect example of how you stand out as a, as a, a niche product. It's just by doing a way better job of that thing. Yeah. And like, obviously this doesn't always work out. Like, cause some problems can probably be solved like 90% effectively with half of like with as a feature of another app but like mm -hmm. getting information from clients for like for us it's it's a huge pain like yeah. it is honest to god for most people we speak to it's one of the biggest pains they have in their business and so and there's like you are trying to wrangle clients into like people that don't want to give you the information we're trying to wrangle them into giving you the information that's not an easy task to solve right that's not like a oh i just built a shitty form on yeah. the on the end of my project management solution and hope that works, you know, like there are, yeah, like y y as you probably imagine, we've heard a lot of hilarious and painful stories about like how hard it is for people to get information. So, you know, and that's, and we, we have like a full team dedicated to just doing that. So there's a long way of yeah. saying like, you just stand out by being way, way, way better. And that's not hard when you're comparing yourself to a feature of another product. Yeah. It, and it and also because like when you start doing things that are not supposed to be in that platform, like for example, forms, I mentioned ClickUp, but all gen in general, other tools, like when you start doing forms that then the, the form field are tied to tasks because the platform also manages is a task management platform. And then you say, I'm, uh, but I don't necessarily need a task here. Then you have to think yeah. about how to do it. It's a mess. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. And that's what, that's like literally how it always becomes a mess. You know, like there's very few products that could do lots of things well. And, you know, like most of them that actually do a lot of things well, and this is going to be a controversial statement, but like Google and Microsoft <laughs> and look how big they are. Look, you know, yeah. look how much money you need to do a lot of things well. Like, yeah, there's, exactly. There's not many, yeah. there's not many people making it work. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. It looks like you are finding your your way because you i saw a post was it a month ago that you said the november was the lowest churn rate 2.8 percent which is pretty good and uh, you mentioned it feels like we're slowly and steadily improving our product market fit aka finding mm -hmm. an amazing home among accountants can you walk me through how was it for you like to find this product market fit since you started or yeah in the last couple of years well, I'll tell you that, that the switch to accounting was like a, a step change. I saw someone, I don't know where this quote's from. Probably lots of people have said it, but you know, product market fit isn't like a zero or one. It's not like a, do I have it? Yes or no. It's like a uh -huh. scale of how well yeah. you fit. And I can tell you in web design, man, like we, I went through a very long period of just like complete disillusionment with the business. I didn't know what we were going to do because it seems like we had product market fit. Because everyone was telling us how much, like we had constant feedback of how much time it was saving people and people saying it was easy to use and that it, like, it works like this and it, like it did so much, but then, yeah, then we'd have so much churn, you know, we had like, I don't know what our churn was back then. It was like, say it was nine or you know, it was kind mm. of probably three times what it is now, but we had all this churn. And so like something, you know, we were plateauing. We basically plateaued was very, very small growth for a long time. And 
we just didn't know what was wrong. And like in hindsight, it was just like something was clearly wrong with our product market fit, right? Like we, I think we had a good product and we were solving a problem, but it wasn't a problem people were willing to pay enough money to solve, right? Like, and, and we were working with a lot of design freelancers who would go out of business or they just, did, they were, they would consolidate into these like all in one tools, you yeah. know, that like try to do everything for freelancers or whatever, which is an easier task, I think, because a freelancer is a smaller business. But yeah, so as time's gone on, I guess we've, we've learned, you know, it's just a lot of, well, accounting, accounting was a step change moving to accounting. Cause it was suddenly like, these people are constantly chasing people. It's not just like one part of their business when they're building a website, like accountants need information constantly that like every, maybe with bigger customer clients, they might every month, they need bank statements or something. Every three months, they need something else. Every year they need this, 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 and this. And when they bring on a client, they need all this stuff. So it was like this constant battle for them. So they're always using the product. And so that, you know, that's, I think, a market fit, like the, like the market side, I guess, you know, because it's like, it's like, the, it was basically the same product. It was just getting used in a different way. And, you know, I guess they, they're, I don't know if this is still product market fit, but there's probably a second, a third piece in this where it's like accountants willingness to pay is higher, right? Mm. An accounting firm. Accountant values their time at 300 bucks an hour that, you know, if they've got 10 staff, they're doing like a million in revenue or whatever, yeah. you know, ish, depending on what country you're in, I guess. But like, whereas, you know, you talk to a freelance web designer, they're probably lucky to be making 50, 60 K. So like 30, 50 bucks a month looks like a lot. Whereas accountants are like 50 bucks. Like this, what, like what's wrong with you? You know, that's too cheap. So that, that, you know, that's kind of what happened there. And, and I guess over time, it also just becomes the the slow burn of like reducing that churn and, and increasing product market fit is just listening to customers, They're like asking them what features they want. And then when you build that feature, make sure you talk to enough people to make sure you're building that feature correctly. And it's just that over and over. It's just this, this cycle of like yeah, feedback, prioritization, build, feedback, prioritization, build. You know, we had a prioritization meeting today just to make sure all the stuff that's on our list was is still the right order. And it's not, it yeah. wasn't like we, we shifted around heaps of stuff based on what we've learned since our last prioritization meeting, like three months ago, we're like, you know what? That one's not so important. You know, this one's more important, you know? So we're just constantly shifting stuff around to try and just make sure we're serving the market. Of the, yeah. Yeah. Building a good product for the market. Can you remember a time when you launched a feature and you saw some pushback or people didn't use it and you backtracked? Mm -hmm. So I don't think we've backtracked. There's definitely a lot of features that we think are going to get used a lot more than they do. So yes, that happens pretty regularly. One of those ones was actually just like one of those integrations I was talking about that gave us, like we built almost as a marketing feature rather than a something like, I, I thought some people would use it, but like, yeah, it, like it was an integration that very few people used, but mm -hmm. it gave us brand alignment that I can tell you has resulted in a lot of sales for us. Like. Uh -huh. Just, it's just a tick box that people see. Oh, you've got an yeah. integration with them. Cool. That's what all I want to see, even though they don't even use it. So like, that's an interesting example. Cause I mean, it's still a positive overall, Yeah. but yeah, I mean, like we've built so much stupid stuff over the, over the years yeah. that we probably shouldn't have bothered with. It's, there's some people who always get annoyed when you change something, but honestly, over, overall, it's generally pretty positive. We almost always get positive feedback when we yeah. release. And maybe that's just because. We're taking our time and doing things properly. We're, we're not doing a click up where we're just releasing something every week just because that's what we said we'd do. You know, like we release slowly, man. Like 
I'm like, I know some people might don't, might not like that, but we're trying to just do mm -hmm. stuff right and make sure we plan it out right. And, and yeah, I guess yeah. get it right and, oh, and not have the technical debt as well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, speaking of churn, there's a, there's, I have one thought about churn. So a lot of people talk about churn in terms of the products and how well it serves customers. But I also think there's a big impact on churn from the messaging standpoint. So it's not only about like product use, but I think it's also a lot about how you set expectations even before people sign up for the product and what, as they're using it. So you probably, you're, you're getting message product market fit. What about message market fit? I define message market fit as your positioning. So the right positioning, using the right language for the right people at the right awareness level. So do you think you also have message market fit now and how, if yes? Yeah, that's, that's a really good, um, point. So when you were saying that the first thing that came to mind is like the, the opposite, like when we had bad message market fit was in the web design mm. space. I think, I think the way we spoke about it, it was like going to be this magic bullet that would like, you know, they turn on content snare and, and suddenly all the information, all the website content just shows up, you know, but of course, someone on the other end has to write that content. We, we can't do everything for them. We, we can chase the clients and make it easy for them and all that sort of stuff. So I think a lot of people came in expecting it to just be this magic bullet or to do a lot. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they expected, but I, I feel like maybe we were setting too high expectations and then we had a lot of churn that way. Well, that was just a feeling I had back in the day too. Like I never quantified that, but yeah, look, I think we've just got, like, this is comes back to what I was saying before about reflecting people's language back on themselves, right? Like that. And also, you know, like when, when you interview customers all the time, you get the words they use. So, you know, the words they use, you understand the pain better. And you can just say, put all that stuff on the website. So of course, you know, if, if you're, so, if you're able to solve that problem for another accountant, for example, like that fits with them exactly. Cause a lot of accounts are very, very similar processes. So I, I mean, does that answer your question? Is that like, cause I mean, it's, yeah, just, it, it's yeah, really just this. Yeah. yeah. It becomes, it becomes intuitive almost, right? You kind of internalize the language and start using it naturally. Almost. Yeah. And, and the stories too, you know, like the, I've heard the same story yeah. over and over again. And now I use this in my pitches, you know, where I'm like, it's, it's I open my pitches, it's like, make... you know, yeah. I'm yeah. like, you know, you know, it's tax time and you need, uh, you, you're going to send an email to a client requesting like 10 things from them. And of yeah. course, they're going to reply to you with like seven of those. And then two of them won't even be the right document. And you've got to go back and forth and blah, blah. You know, that's the opening to my pitch because I've heard that same story like a hundred yeah. freaking times. <laughs> From different accounts, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's in the, it's in videos that I make. It's like, you know, um, that's the, that's the moment, moment of highest tension, like the very vivid moment when they go, haha, yeah, this is true. Like, this is my, my story, my situation. Yeah. They, yeah. Half of them are probably like, I literally had that yesterday, you know? <laughs> wow. So, so that, that's how, that's how tight. You know, I think when you find those stories, obviously stories are powerful, but yeah, like the, the language, if you're able to use their language in the copy and, and the messaging, the emails, I guess, you know, it's not just the website, but the onboarding yeah. emails, even, even in, in like features of the app can use the right language, you know? So I, I took a look at your personal website, kind of blog, 
And you do you still have your kind of automation, Zapier automation consultancy going? Not so, not doing so many consults anymore. I still got my course, but it is starting to get a little outdated now just because Zapier have changed their user interface yeah. a whole bunch. All the core concepts are yeah. still the same, but yeah, so it's something I'd like love to get back into, but it's just a focus thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, well, one thing that I love though, like look at your website was all the, all the resources for digital agencies that you had. I'm there. I don't know if you're still selling them or offering them, but there's a, I saw the, you used to at the agency, I would podcast, you saw a Facebook group, five day process challenge, web design and digital agency blog, <laughs> client website, content checklist. I think all of these speak to like your willingness and always trying to immerse yourself in your market and truly, yeah, trying to help them in as many ways as you possibly can. Do you think that like your work as a consultant helped you in any way inform what you do with Content Snare? With the automation consulting, only only slightly, I would say, mostly in like how our integrations work, you know, because yeah. I've done so much automation and integration work in my life that I have a pretty good feeling of like how I want automations to work as someone who's used so much of Zapier and, and Make. So now they're like, that's probably the only thing it really informs. All those resources you were talking about at the podcast. Yeah. Like we did the whole thing for agencies, right? Cause I, I ran an agency. I kind of understood all the problems and issues. So like I was comfortable having a podcast and having a Facebook group, sharing people, sharing like awesome content for agencies. I had like email, yeah, five day challenge type things and, and blogs, but it's actually, it's funny. Like I miss all that because in the accounting, like, I, I, I feel like a little bit of an imposter in accounting because I like. What am I going to like tell a bunch of accountants how to run their business when I've never done it? Or yeah. like, you know, I don't fully understand all the pains. Like I understand their pain with our product and how it works, but like yeah. all the other bits and pieces, like I just, I feel like a bit of imposter. So all that stuff has kind of fallen over now. Like I'm not, I don't have that. Like we used to do everything, every type of content for yeah, digital yeah. agencies, but now not so much for accounts. It's harder, it, it, harder to mine. Yeah, so it's way. a different world. There's a old set of mm -hmm. new like challenges, situations, anxieties. Yes. Do you find yourself, I don't know, like looking at accounting forums to research as well, other than talking to people, what do you do to immerse yourself? Yeah. No, I mean, Twitter, there's the tax Twitter is, is like decent LinkedIn, just seeing, I mean, honestly, a lot of it, there's not that many out there. There is in here in Australia, there's one pretty well-known Facebook group full of accountants, um, that is pretty good. Like at seeing the things that people are struggling with. I mean, a lot of it is stuff that like goes over my head because I don't really understand, but yeah, look, I mean, it's always just good to be in there in, in the industry. Like. I think you never beat talking to people in person. So I go to a lot of events. Well, it's been a while now, but like, you know, some of the big trade shows, like, yes, we exhibit at some, but we also just, I just go as an attendee sometimes and just talk to people, yeah. you know, obviously jump on calls with accountants. We, we actually have, we've had a, over the years, we've had a few different consultants in the space as well. Like I've literally just said to an account, like asked an accountant if I could pay for them for a monthly call. Just to, you know, and I can bounce off, bounce nice. ideas yeah, off yeah. them. Yeah. Like bounce messaging off them, you know, like things that I want to, like, do we, do we need to have a phone number on the website as an account looking for that? You know, like these are the things I'll ask. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had That's several, great. several consultants who are accountants themselves. 
Yeah, yeah. If you could recommend another founder, one question to ask their audience to understand, I don't know what they think, how they think, what would be that question? Oh man, that is one question. Can I have a think about this for like a minute? Um, maybe, maybe <laughs> the question is the question that you saw in the past that you got a, like a great reaction out of most times. Yeah. I think it's usually like, I would say like, tell me a story, <laughs> tell me a specific story of like that happened in your business that, you know, around insert problem we solve here, you know? Yeah. So like in our case, it's like, you know, what's, what, tell me a story. Like for us, it's like when, like when you were onboarding a client or what? Like, tell me a horror story about yeah. <laughs> the last time you had to chase clients for content. Like, tell me a horror, like a, you know, because like, that's kind of talk, like I was talking about before, just like those stories that and, and, that people have. And a lot of time they'll be shareable. Like oh, in the web design space, the story was always like, you know, we sent, we would chase this client for months for website content. And then they sent it back. And it was like this document where they had, the content was all over the place. They had like, images pasted into the document with like yellow highlighted text saying, please link this word to this page, you know? And that, again, that was like my spiel in yeah. for the web design space. And you, cause you, you hear that same story from a whole bunch of different web designers. So like, I think I'd be like, tell me a horror story about yeah, like, nice. yeah, insert problem we solve. <laughs> yeah. It's probably because it brings them into kind of that mindset of imagining themselves in the situation kind of a, mm. Uh, yeah, helps, helps them create that drama and the vividness that you need for details. For sure. Cool. Last couple of questions. What's the biggest challenge now you think you have around messaging, around speaking to your potential customers? Follow-up question. If you would have to advise someone else on how to solve this challenge, how would you do it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love the the self coaching thing. This is a yeah, I learned about this recently. Like ask it, ask question, like pretend you're coaching yourself. What, yeah. what would you, how would you answer this to someone else? Yeah, it's a really good question. Okay, biggest problem for us for messaging is trying to communicate what we do succinctly, because you know we're not like a product that people understand, like an email marketing platform. Everyone knows generally you know, what an email marketing platform does. Yes, there's features within that, but you know, if you want to send emails, marketing emails, you use it. We're not a proposal tool. You know, everyone knows what a signing platform is or a, or a proposal tool. We're in this like weird category. That's not a category that does a specific thing that no, like no one's really searching for. Um, so when someone comes to our site, if they don't know anything about who we are, like if they've heard about us from someone else, obviously that's it. They, kind of warmed up, they know what's going on. But if they come to our site for the first time, trying to communicate what we do is still like quickly within like a header or something, you know, is still really, really hard. If I was to advise someone else to do this, I would, God, I don't know, man. I honestly don't know because I would have done it. <laughs> I don't know. I'd like try GPT and I'd bloody, I'd ask all your friends and I'd ask, ask all your yeah. customers for ideas. And I would like, I'd ask literally everyone, you know, for ideas basically yeah. is what I would say. And, but I've done that. So yeah, we, <laughs> in a way you are doing, maybe it's not a matter of like getting it in a snap. Maybe it's just like a long-term process and you'll, you will arrive at the answer at some point. 
Yeah. I mean, it would help a lot if we knew exactly what industry that person was in when they hit the homepage. So that's kind mm. of why the second thing you see on our homepage is an industry selector. You know, it's like, hopefully yeah. they see that, they click their industry, and then yeah. we've got a much higher chance of communicating very quickly. Yeah. But if it's like, you, if you've got 20 different industries showing up, it's hard to communicate, you know? Yeah. Are you keeping track of those clicks? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's even when someone says they want to watch a demo video, they'll pick what the industry they're in. And we track all of that as well, just so we know. And, and when everyone signs up for the product, they choose their industry. So yeah, we, we have a pretty good idea of who's looking nice. at it. All right. Uh, where, where do you typically go to learn about SaaS, product, messaging, marketing? What are your favorite places online or offline? God, it's, it's, you know, it's been a little while for a lot, a lot of it for me is either books or podcasts. So, um, you know, usually around whatever specific problem I'm trying to solve. I almost don't listen to just, I just don't go and generically read stuff anymore. I listen to stuff, not much, but like, you know, it's just, you know, startups for the rest of us has been a classic podcast for a yeah. long time in this space, you know, that are really good books, you know, like, um, traction, not the Gino Whitman one, the, I can't remember his name, Gabriel, someone, I think it's uh, about different yeah. marketing channels for SaaS. You know, other than that, it's, I hang out on like Twitter. There's obviously a lot of indie hackers and SaaS people on Twitter talking about SaaS. Yeah, that's, that's kind of, a, that's it. Are you, are you a LinkedIn guy? No. I am. Yep. I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, but th there's not a lot of SaaS stuff for there. That uh, for me there, that's, it's mostly for my actual accounting connections. With the audience. On LinkedIn. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Awesome. Last question. What's your biggest lesson from trying 455 new beers last year? <laughs> I'd say it's way more likely that I'm going to like the beer if it's dark and uh -huh. a very high percentage alcohol. Uh -huh. So like 10% and above and a dark beer is very high chance. I'm really going to enjoy that. Nice. <laughs> any, any, any favorite to recommend? My favorite beer I've ever had, and I'm sad because I'll probably never get to have it ever again, was at Trillium in Boston. They don't ship to Australia because I asked them immediately. I like literally went, I went back inside and I was like, can you send any of this to Australia? And they were like, no. For life. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was like a 14% almond oh, vanilla wow. cinnamon stout. Yeah. And it was, my God, was it delicious. Oh my. It was like that you'd have these tiny little sips. And every little sip was just like, wow, wow. Oh you know, like, so this <laughs> tiny little beer would last you forever because you're only having these tiny sips, but delicious. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. That'd be great, Jimmy. Thank you very much for being here. Super insightful. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris, man. Was, yeah, like I said, it's, it's really cool of you to ask me to come on. I'm hope, hopefully I was able to help someone listening. Yeah, yeah. Been super helpful. All right. Have a great evening. Cheers. <laughs> you too. Thanks, man. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the pod. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, the best thing you could do to support the show and help me as a small business owner would be to leave a review. Head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and let me know what you think. If you don't want to miss future episodes, subscribe. And if you have any feedback, questions, or suggestions for future episodes, just hit me up on LinkedIn at Christopher Silvestri or Twitter at Sylvester Chris. Speak to you next time.